Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Good morning. That means you are listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. I am uh, here in this happy new year and I'm so grateful to have you listening. And um, we're going to begin with our prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Yeah, welcome to 2020. I mean, I, I cannot believe it's 2020, but I'm sitting here with Thaddeus. How you doing, Happy Thaddeus? New Year, Trey. Happy New Year. It's, it's a, it, I can remember as a little kid <laughs> taking my birthday and, you know, how old was I going to be at 20? year 2000. In the year 2000, and, and how, and anyway, um, from when this when this airs, the next day I'll turn fifty five, the double nickel. So I'll be on the back side of fifty, uh, or the mid side of it. So anyway, still feeling young, still excited about all this, and I and I um, hope that we have something to talk about today. But I, as we were talking about, there's a there's a great line in a John Mellencamp song what about, is it? and he's referencing an an old phrase, but he he talks about uh, reaching that point in your life when you've you've got more years. In, in the cart than you do uh, miles or, or years, you know, still still to travel. So, I, I mean, I... I it, that's kind of a sobering thought. It's correct. Well, I don't know if it... You know, it's funny to, to say that. I, I just got a phone call from somebody saying, hey, this this guy, I don't know him, but somebody this person is close to who's cancer and he's scared and, you know, and all mm-hmm. that. And, and I, you know, what we hope is that... We're so you know in love with Jesus and so much uh, that whenever the days come, but you do know that if you're sitting fifty five, you've got probably fewer years to live than you've already lived, uh, in all likelihood. Yep. I mean, uh, yep. with with rare exception, and certainly yep. in my case, I, I don't think any of the men in our family have have lived uh, even to ninety. So, um, that's not a bad thing. No. You know? I mean, nope. it's just. I mean, that's life. And I guess that's kind of what we're talking about today, to a certain extent, because it well in in only the way that Trey Cashin can can bring a bunch of stuff together that maybe only makes sense to him. But I but I was reading today in the in the readings for today, um, and I guess this is is January sixth, but um, we're taping this. But I was reading today, and it, it kind of jumped out at me, particularly during this time of. Still Christmas season, but we're we're past the twelve days of Christmas. Well, I mean, actually, technically, normally it would be um, the feast of the Epiphany would be today, January sixth. Tomorrow, when this airs, the seventh. But we'd still be in the Christmas season, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. that we remember. And I think you know, so much of Christmas, I think we take for granted. So much of Christmas, we just you know the manger, the 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 stable, the 
shepherds, the three kings, you know, all those are kind of things that we hear all the time. And I think sometimes we need to dig a little bit deeper into into those things. And I've, and I was really blessed with being in different places and hearing priests that I did not, that I have not, that I don't normally hear. So I heard different takes on, on things. And I think they all pointed to this. This is what it means to be Christian. Okay. I'm going to read John. This is from his first letter, the first letter of John. Um, it says, by this, he says, this is 4-2. It says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit which confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. It's not just that Jesus Christ came. He's pointing to the fact that he became man. And that that means something. And that all the great lies in one way, shape, or form, deny the fact that God would actually assume humanity for one reason or another. That why would he, why would he who's infinite make himself finite? Some people, it's a dirty, sinful, fallen nature. Why would he, which points us all <laughs> to many other teachings, but this idea of the incarnation and taking our humanity seriously is a is important, and this time of year is always a great time to use what the church gives us, both in the readings and in what's going on, to actually dig deeper into what it means to be a Christian, what it truly means to be a Christian. Christians do not deny humanity, but they 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 look to humanity and say that's the way we are. Fact is, death came in the world through sin. Death is the separation of our body from our soul. That's, that's what death is. We're not meant to be that way. We're meant to be a body-soul composite, a union of the two. And when Jesus comes again, and he will come again, don't know when, but he will come again, we will all be reunited with the matter that we have today in a glorified manner or in a damned matter. Um, at the end, we'll all be reunited and we will be human to the fullest extent, body and soul reunited. That's the way we were meant to be. The devil so has That's not why it matters, folks. Matter matters. It matters. It does matter. It and so my, what I want to do is we were talking about different things that I, that I saw. First off, I mean, just simple things. If you look at the liturgical year, for example— you have great opportunities. One to of my teach. favorite topics. Yeah, we have great. You have great opportunities to to teach with even just simple things. For example, I mean, we were just mentioning this. The the two of the great feasts, or not two of the great feasts, two two solemnities are the solemnity that is Christmas, right, and the solemnity that is. The Annunciation, I mean, not the Annunciation, the Immaculate Conception of Mary, mm-hmm. right? And both of those are correct. So, so let's just start with one. Immaculate was, Conception of Mary. I thought that was a, I thought that was a conception of Jesus. <laughs> the Immaculate Conception. That, and again, we as you Catholics know, you might know, be a cradle Catholic if you, think, exactly. if you thought at some point Hashtag, in your life, you know, you might have been. It yeah. was a conception of Jesus. Well, because yeah, no, the Immaculate Conception alert the media is actually the conception of Mary in the That's womb right. of Saint Anne. Without, without sin. sin, conceived without sin. And that's that she, from the very beginning of her existence, all the way back to her conception, was protected in a way that none of us have been protected since for the purpose of her being able to be the actual mother of God. Through the merits gained and applied in from a human perspective backwards <laughs> in yes. time, but it's the merits of Jesus. Jesus is her savior. She says as much. It, she says as much in the in, in the first time. You no, know, uh, in the not the immaculate the in the Magnificat, right? I mean, yes, sir. She, my savior. She mentions my savior. So her savior happens to be her son, <laughs> and and so. It's important to remember December the 8th is the Immaculate Conception, a solemnity, a holy day of obligation. 
But I was... And can I jump in? Yeah. Uh, shorthand of that is God is outside of time. So the merits of the, his Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection are applied... Yeah, there's not... He's not bound... To her, uh, her conception. Which is why... You know, if you if it was strictly by time and God was limited by time, think about this, then everybody who came before Jesus, there would be no, they would all... No chance. There's no chance. They all go to hell. We don't believe that. The Bible says as much that, that these people, when, when he rose from the dead, all these other people rose from the dead. Paul talks about that. They rose from the dead and they went to heaven as well. Who were those people? And how could they have... If they were already dead, right. how could they be raised? And That's why the go Apostles' to Creed we say he descended into hell, right? Not 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 hell, 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 not not the hell of the damn, but Sheol or the, the the place where those people who were friends of God when they died, the of Abraham, which you would think Saint Joseph would have been one of those. He he, I mean, almost certainly Moses died. Moses, David, the the great heroes that. They were all looking for Jesus, so for the Savior who was going to save them. And God is true and faithful to those, even in their sinfulness. But that gift that that is Christ on the cross and his life, passion, death, and resurrection, and then ascension, all provides everything we need for those who are friends of God to be able to get to heaven, to go to heaven. Well, Mary, if we, if we look at her, um, I guess getting back, we have to know that God provides those merits. Again, he's outside of time. He came into time and has blessed time forever as a result of that. But getting back to this, speaking of time, December 8th is the Immaculate Conception. Ask your children, or if they're old enough to know, if they know how long is a pregnancy, Nine months, 40 weeks, right? So go ahead, nine months or 40 weeks from December 8th is September 8th. What What is on September 8th? It's uh, opening Mar- Saturday of college football <laughs> of college season. Football. Could be that. Mary's birthday is that way. The church celebrates Mary's oh, birthday right, 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 on, right, right, on right, September right. 8th, which could also, in all likelihood, coincide with some football game <laughs> this year. Uh, but, but the church uses that and takes seriously the fact that that's the normal course for a pregnancy. And as we were talking before, the Feast of the Annunciation, when Mary, uh, Gabriel shows up to Mary and, and says, you will conceive and bear a son, and her fiat, be it done unto me according to thy word, that on that day we celebrate March 25th which is also a holy day of obligation, also a great solemnity. Well, if that's the day that Jesus was conceived. March 25th is a holy day of obligation? What? Was that? Is it not? I don't. Maybe it's not. I, could I don't be wrong think about so. That. I don't think it is. It may not be. I, I could be wrong about that. Anyway, if, if, it's, if it's not, I always defer to the church. If I'm wrong... In the church, in the catechism, it's a holy day of obligation. <laughs> it's the a great day. Are going to, even if it's to not a, if it's not day. a holy day of obligation, I I don't know whether it is or not. But on that day, March twenty fifth, we do celebrate the Annunciation. Yes, we do every year, every year. And so, if if that's the day that he that he was, I do know that we do say that nine months after that, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, who was conceived on March twenty fifth. Fast forward nine months. So God, in and through his church, and in and through the liturgy, he is showing us that he respects humanity. He respects his creation. Not not because he has to, but he made it that way. Humanity is... He built that. He built it. It's, it's, it's his wisdom, his beauty, his everything, the way he did it. So he honors it. And so his church would honor it. That's why we can, we can be okay with Mary being the greatest of all human beings. Of course, Jesus is 
a divine being, two natures, human nature and a divine nature, but he's a divine being. The greatest of all human beings would be Mary, our mother. Why is that important? Because we take seriously, God takes seriously what he's created. And no matter what the devil did at the beginning in trying to corrupt that, God is more than capable of bringing about what he's always intended. What he's intended is for all of us, what he wants for all of us is to know, love, know, serve, and love him, right, in, in, in this life. and Exactly. I mean, that's what we're made for. And so prior to Jesus coming, there was no way to do that. So he had to come and take human nature. Again, this is central to that. There, the, you know, the, uh, the arguments, there are plenty of people, Gnostics were people who denied that Jesus was actually really had a human nature. He was more like a ghost. He looked like a human, but he was some sort of super being, not, you know, spiritual, but not physical. Well, why do you think John has Jesus after the resurrection always, what's he doing? He's always like, hey, give me some fish. You know, he's eating, not a ghost. Exactly. He's showing us that what I have gained as a result of my life, passion, death, and now resurrection is humanity restored, overcoming what happened when Adam and Eve first sinned. And allowing us to participate in that. That's good news, but it's not a denial of our humanity. That, that's why it truly a Christian view is, is Jesus is not some super being, not some demigod. He's 100% man and 100% God. But it's absolutely imperative by God's plan alone that we recognize that Jesus, as the Messiah, as the, our Savior, as our Lord, took on humanity to show us what humanity was capable of. Not to dismiss it, but to say, look what, separate from sin, humanity is capable of being, of doing, what it's made for. And that is important for us to remember because I think it, there, I think there's unfortunately quite a few Christians who don't reckon, don't understand that, don't understand how important it is. John himself is pointing to this right here in four. Anybody who denies that Jesus Christ came in the flesh denies the gospel itself. The incarnation, which is what we celebrate, the fact that God became man, is central. That's why, go to the, go to. Let's go through the sacraments. Why would God give sacraments? Because He knows that we as human beings need certain things. We need. We're we're not just spiritual beings. We're not just. Let's talk ourselves into believing something. We actually have the need to hear we're forgiven. We have the need to express openly how we've sinned to somebody. I mean, God is way better than any psychologist or psychiatrist. I'm not demeaning those people. I'm just saying he's built into the fact. Putting you on notice, psychologists right. and well, psychiatrists. Put, well, he has he is given us what we need. And it is true that we have to be able to articulate, to get it off our chest, to share with somebody when we know that we've sinned. It needs to come out of us, so to speak. But th that's not just by itself okay. It, it, it has to, at that point, be received, and then somebody needs to be able to forgive that. That happens like in a family, not to, in the same way, when you require a child to say, will you please forgive me to a child they've offended. They broke their toy. They hit them, they did whatever they may have done, that there is that name it and claim it, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that's a good place to to step in and kind of bring it back to the to the family. Yeah. Where 
want to try to cultivate with your children that uh, if if they do something wrong, uh, when you forgive them, uh, you know, take that moment and reemphasize to them that I want you to I want you to feel forgiven, but it doesn't. It's not about whether you feel forgiven or not. Absolutely, you know that you have your father's forgiveness, you have your mother's forgiveness. We have forgiven you. It's all, it's wiped away. Now there's going to be some might be some consequences you have to take care of, or some restitution you have to do, and you know you. We, but we don't have to get into that. But just reemphasizing that your your forgiveness, even in the family, is rooted in the the authority of the of the parent to to forgive and the kind of the office of the of the parent exactly. yeah. to forgive and that's the same way it is with confession and and forgiveness of our sins that you believe in the 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 church's authority given to it by Christ to bind and loose right to forgive sins and and so when you go to that priest you know that you're forgiven. Right. And Whereas if you, yes, as soon as you sin, you should make an act of contrition. You should pray to God and, and ask for forgiveness right at that moment when you have that mortal, especially a mortal sin. But you, in your humanity, you still, you know, you don't, you don't know if you're forgiven. Right. You don't, let's stay away from feelings. You don't know that you're forgiven, but you do know that you're forgiven for sure. And that's the beauty. That that's the beauty of it is that we as human beings know that our feelings can mislead us, or our minds can mislead us. We're not the best at knowing whether somebody's telling us a lie or the truth. We're not the best at knowing what's actually going on in our lives. We can, based on what's happening around, we can talk ourselves into oh, everything's fine, or we can talk ourselves into it's worse. What I, I always just use as an example whenever things kind of come to a head in whatever way, shape or form I've learned in 55 years, it's never nearly as bad as you have thought it it is in your, in your mind. Rarely is it the other spec end of the spectrum. It's somewhere in between. We don't get that until we actually experience it. You don't actually know that. So your mind can make it into all different types of things. Our feelings can make us, go a, a route, it's so much of a blessing to know that we can just go, these are our sins, and know that it is Jesus Christ through the person of the priest who is forgiving us because Jesus has given that authority to those, to those people. So when the priest says, I absolve you of your sins, it is Jesus himself saying, I absolve you. And when we hear that, it's just like, I, I mean, I don't know. You can ask for forgiveness from, there's something about somebody saying, I forgive you. Just to actually just hear it. I mean, if you're honest with yourself, it's, it's important to hear it. Right. Because we're human. Right. And you know what, Trey? Let's forgive those listeners who have just come in during the middle oh, yeah. of the show. Or, yeah, that exactly. they're listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. Absolutely. On Red Sea Catholic Radio. And, and you know, they don't have, have to, this isn't just the only time that they can listen to this show. They can get this show on podcast yeah. by going to the Red Sea Catholic Radio website, redsearadio.org, and get all the latest episodes right there. Oh, so cool. they get a forget. backlog. They can just listen to Mystery of Parenthood, you know, endlessly. <laughs> That might be purgatory. Well, I don't know. It could be hell. They could get. (laughs) I think they could get. I think they could get hooked on you and just want to keep listening, Uh, listening, and listening. Well, anyway, I, I I don't. I think it's important to remember that Catholics. I like. I've used this before, but I had a professor that said to be Catholic is to be punchable. To take seriously the fact that we have a body, (laughs) that we have sensors. I don't know even, I'm not a biologist, but we have things that tell us, okay, I'm in pain. Okay. I feel better. Whatever the thing, whatever is going on, our bodies are real and they are experiencing something (laughs) and that that is a real thing from suffering all the way through. This is another thing which came up in a, in a, in a homily that I think 
kind of extends this is that we had a priest talking about, well, have you ever thought about, and we mentioned a little bit of this, have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus is born, you know, in a cave or in a barn or what I mean, in, in a cave, in a feeding trough, and then all these, you know, you think all the angels, the angels are get the shepherds to come and they have all these things that are kind of reaffirming. But as soon as the epiphany's over, an angel comes and says, Hey, y'all, you need to get out of here and head to Egypt. Did they have any family in Egypt? No, uh, no, they didn't. They were refugees for years. Yep. So they were outcasts. This is people who believed because they were experiencing it in the flesh that this son, this was the son of God. You, you would think, I mean, at least I would, okay, Lord, wait a second. I mean, you're the, you could do all kinds of things. Why are you making me run? Why don't you just zap that guy and let me go back to where I'm, where I'm going? I mean, that would be the human way of looking at things. But so all those years that then they come back and then, then he's St. Joseph is heading back. And then he hears that, Herod's son is over and he's concerned about that. And so he's afraid to go back. So he goes to this small little podunk town, you know, Nazareth. And it raises his, his family there, not back to the prettiest place, Mm -hmm. (laughs) best place to raise a family. Think about the fact that all the suffering that, that had to go on with that in terms of, I have no family to go to. I'm 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 living in another country. I can't even go back. And then when I go back, I can't even go back to where I was from. I'm I'm having to go to this little podunk town because I'm afraid that if I go back, I may end up Jesus may end up getting killed too. So there's all these things that are going on that point us to the fact that part of being a Christian is to expect that in our humanity we're going to go through some suffering. We're going to go through some bodily suffering. And again, there's meaning in that suffering. Number one, Jesus could have been born in a castle, right? I mean, he could have been born to a king. He could have been born to where when he woke up that all those people came and they brought stuff to him and to his family. And the story could have been, you know, they won the lottery that day, you know, he was born in a manger, you know, poor kid becomes, uh, you know, rich kid overnight, right? I mean, the kings could have said, we're going to build it, you know, rags to riches. You know, this is what, I mean, think about all those things could have been op- options, but there is nothing about Jesus' life. It's, we've got to remember nothing from his conception through his life, passion, death, resurrection, and ascension, nothing that is not meant to teach us something about our own lives. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So we need to not, maybe for the younger kids, okay, I'm just saying, but during this time of year, at some point as they grow older, you need to at least not say, hey, look at all the suffering they went through. But at least point out, well, what do you think? I mean, ask a question. Let's do a little Lexio Divina. I mean, put yourself in the situation. If you were Joseph, how would you feel? You know, am I, I'm letting God's child down. I'm this poor woman. You know, I can't even find a place for her to have a baby. Those are things that I think are important to think about because it's part of the gospel. It is purposeful. Everything that happened happened for a reason, not merely to fulfill prophecies, which is what, you know, Matthew, if you read Matthew, almost all those things, you know, the, 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 the mass murder of all the, of all the two years and younger, you know, the, the great cry, he, he uses a, a, a prophetic verse there that they went to Egypt, you know, that my, that my son will come out of Egypt, you know, all the different things he's pointing to are pointing to him, but it's not just to fulfill those things. It's to reveal something about our own lives. Yet I know that Joseph and Mary, even in the midst of that suffering, 
I can be certain, experience joy. Somehow, Jesus is there. How is that possible? These are things that, are, that point us to the fact that we're meant to take our humanity, our day-to-day life, the ups, the downs, the sicknesses, the things not working out the way that, that, they, were, that they were worked out in our minds, the struggles, all of those things are meant to say, hey, I as God came and I've been through those struggles. I've been through those times when people didn't welcome me. I've been through those times when I didn't know where I was going to lay my head. Joseph and Mary could sit there and say the same thing. I, I, I struggled with this, but I always knew. I mean, I, I can't wait to talk to them and get to heaven. <laughs> get to heaven. God, not God willing, me uh, willing, God's will. Um, I can't wait to talk to them about what was going on with them, but I can only imagine that they had to believe that no matter what was happening, because this was the Son of God, that God's hand was at work in and through all of that. But in his providence, that was happening because he allowed it. And we have to struggle with that ourselves. I think that's part of the trick is to try to say, Lord, help me to recognize that your hand is always in my life. No matter When things don't work out the way I want them to, when they didn't get done the way I thought they would get done, when things don't go right, when I'm hurting, when I'm sick, when all those things are happening, you yourself came and showed us that things didn't work out the way you would, as a human, want them to work out. And certainly there was suffering in and through that, but that for me, I can trust that something good is going to come out of it. And I merely have to do it. That's, that's part of why you have the crosses, the crucifixes there. Because the entire story of the gospel is founded on the fact that that thing that is the instrument of death, the instrument of suffering, the instrument of humiliation, the instrument of whatever, is also the path to the overcoming of all of that, the overcoming of humiliation, the overcoming of pain, the overcoming of that in heaven himself, in heaven itself. So the cross... Again, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just saying it's the gospel. The good news is when I suffer, when something is not going the way I want, I can still trust that God has his hand in my life. Because there's a lot of people out there, if you read Job, you know, they'll point the finger and say, well, you must have done something wrong. Because, you know, God only. Right, right. That's not true. The whole gospel is replete. It's full of things not going the way. St. Paul, I, I begged the Lord three, you know, to take the to take the thorn from my side, to take the thing that I'm going from. I begged for him to remove it. Why wouldn't God do that? And God's response is my grace is sufficient. So he could have done all kinds of things. He could have opened up a great room in the end for him. He, there's so many things he could have done, but he didn't. So I think that's good news for us, Thaddeus. I think that when things don't go the way that we have, that, that we have a God who has experienced the exact same didn't work out, didn't go the way you planned it, didn't, didn't you know, why would this not have worked out? And we know that good comes from that which God allows and that his love does not, just because we're going through a difficult time doesn't mean his love is no longer there. The Holy Family itself points us to that. That's, I think that had to have been what they were saying because Joseph knows he didn't conceive that child, that that, that child came from somewhere. And Mary knows for sure. I, I never had relations with, with someone that here's this baby. They, ha- they, they can look and say, there is God in the midst of all this suffering, here he is with me. That's kind of basically about to be our response in our humanness. Mm-hmm. Because as humans, we're going to have pain. As humans, we're going to have suffering. 
as humans, we're going to get sick. We're going to have family members get sick. We're going to have people die. We're going to have all these things that are, but that's not the last. That's not the end. I can't imagine looking at those things without looking at it through the manger, all the way through his life, through the cross itself, and then knowing that on the other side of all this is heaven. And that heaven includes our body. That one day I'll be able to hug my mother again. That one day I'll be able to hug my grandfather again. We need to talk. I mean, it's not going to be some spiritual like, oh, hey, (laughs) are we just floating on a cloud? And I mean, we are going to get our bodies back. Glorified nature, but we are going to be able to go up and hug those who've gone before. Because that's what we're meant to be. That's what it means to be a human. We're not angels. We're not spirit only. That's why it's important that the gospel hinges on what John says here, which is anybody who denies that Jesus did not come in the flesh is not one of us. Anybody who denies that. The only way you can know is somebody who says and takes seriously Jesus Christ came in the flesh, took on our human nature. That is central to the gospel. And it's central to us as Christians being able to live a life in the midst of the suffering and the pain and the things not going the way we wanted, to look and say, my Lord and Savior did not remove himself from that, and he is here with me suffering through this. He is here with me with this with us. And therefore I can, with his grace, have joy in that moment. That's real life. Any religion, any faith that says that that's not, there's no answer for that suffering is kind of a useless one because we're all guaranteed to suffer, right? I mean, I don't know anybody, we're all guaranteed to suffer. What kind of savior is a savior who can't do what Jesus does and say, I've been right there with you. I've had my friends deny me. I've been unjustly condemned and murdered. I've been sent off as a refugee. I had no place to be born. That's our Savior. That's good news for you and I when we go through those difficult times. Yes. Does that make, I don't know. It kind of gets me. The the incarnation this time of year is something we have to, as parents, point our children to. What do you think Jesus was going through? What do you think Joseph was feeling? What do you think that Mary, how would you feel? Yeah, you know, I think something else about the fact that Christ came as an infant, that he was born into his flesh, it demonstrates that, God himself sees something incredibly important in the human um, cycle of growth and development. Absolutely. Because he didn't shortcut any of that. Well, then he came, he, he, so. And so we needed, we needed kind of, we need to bring our children back to that, especially that. The, the growing pains that you're going through, whatever they are, whatever they are, emotional, intellectual, physical, there's, there's, a, there's a good reason for that. There's something, um, it's, it's going to profit you in, in some way. It's going to have some uh, important role to play in the, the mission that you have. Absolutely. Um, the future that you're going to have. Uh, as a as a citizen and as a person of of you know temporally speaking this world, but also your um, your heavenly mission, your your God given mission that the Lord has for you. Everything that you go through in your your development is important, just right. the way it was for our Lord. He could have just appeared. I mean, he could have. They right. could have no nativity scene. Here's your Savior. He could have done that, right? Right. That would have said something different. (laughs) I mean, 
we've got to look at the whole story and say that he could have said, well, I don't need a man. Well, I mean, I don't need Joseph. Does he? Well, he doesn't need him. But he says this is the way it ought to be. So here, I, I mean, everything about his, from his conception through his ascension into heaven and to today has something to tell us about here's God's plan. He was meant to be in a family. That's why we venerate the holy family of Nazareth. I mean, he's God, the holiest of all those, because he is God himself in that family, yet he subjected himself Mm -hmm. to the authority of his father who he created. Mm -hmm. Think about the humility involved in that. Think, Think about the fact that, okay, if he did that, what does that say to me in terms of how I as a son or as a father should operate in this world? That that's what we have to. I guess what my point is is we have to get back to trying to dig a little bit deeper into those things that become so matter of fact. Fifty years in, the manger scene, the crash. You know, without if you just look at them, you go, "Oh, it's Christmas. It's beautiful. Everything's great." Well, yeah, it is, but there's a reason that it keeps coming around. God wants to keep pointing us back to this, and that every year there's something to ask, what do you want to show me about my humanity, about me and what do I have to do? What do you want, how do you want to encourage me through this? And I think part of what I've recognized, and I've, I've heard several homilies this past Christmas season, that point, point to the fact that we have to um, really dig deeper into what actually happened you know, not, I mean, I'm not saying not glorify it. I mean, Jesus is there. There is the glory of God. But not brush over everything from the immaculate conception of Mary to her life, to her receiving the Annunciation, to Jesus being conceived, to the fact that the person who announces, the first person to announce to Mary and to the world that Jesus is the Savior is a child in the womb that kicks them up. Then that proceeds to provide her with the Holy Spirit saying that. But it's, it's John the Baptist in the womb that is the first one to recognize, bam, here he is. And so, again, that's, a, that's a, a detail that sometimes is glossed over. But think about that. that. What does that communicate about life? When does life begin? What does that communicate about the relationship between a mother and a son? What does that communicate about God's power? I mean, there, there's so many things that we need to dwell on it here i guess my point is is the church gets called being you know ritualistic or repetitive you know that, that a lot of these things are repeat well they're repeated over and over again the mass itself i'd ask to challenge you that maybe that's for a reason <laughs> because we can gloss over it and i think god keeps bringing it around to say there's more there's more for you in where you are. And I don't know about you, Thaddeus, but, but in reality, what I know is, is I can read the same story, look at the same scene, hear whatever, and depending on where I am in my life, I'll all of a sudden go, well, I never got that from mm-hmm. this. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And now I did. That's, so that's God's ability to use the same thing because he's God. It's perfect. His story, the what he what he unveiled and unleashed throughout time, but particularly in this day, in this time when we're remembering Christmas, in this time, it's pointing us 
to things that we need to remember. That's why I think that's what, you know, and Mary herself, you know, right, is always, and she pondered these things and she remembered these things. She chewed on them. She did not forget them. And I think every time that's said, we need to say, am I losing sight of this? Am I not asking, okay, show me something else or deepen my understanding of this during this Christmas season? And we don't want to lose sight of telling you as we get down to the end of the show that you're listening to Mystery of Parenthood with your great host, Trey Cashin. And Thaddeus Oh, Thank you, Trey. I'm here on Red Sea Catholic Radio. If you missed the first part of the day show, you can always go back and listen to past episodes. Head over to redsearadio.org and you can get subscribed to the podcast for the show. So, Trey, we've got about six minutes left. Um, give us, you know, your final thoughts and maybe draw us back to to scripture as you always like to at the at the end of the program and and put a nice little bow on everything. Well, I, I'll pray that I can that I can do that. I I th- love John. I mean, Saint John, his both his letters and his um, gospel. But it always goes back to love. It always goes back to it, they're usually a very high Christology meaning that points to Jesus, Jesus's divinity. But he's always, while he's pointing to that divinity, you always get lines like this, you know, he dwelt among us. Yeah. You know, you get the, give me the fish when he shows up again. So I think while he's pointing to the divinity of Christ, he is never detaching it from his humanity. And I think we have to get back to understanding that the core of the gospel is that God became man. And he revealed man to himself, as Vatican II points out. It's in revealing the Father and the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ reveals man to himself. There's no disconnect between the revelation of God, the Word of God, the one Word of God, who is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Right. There's no disconnect. But we can't, I think sometimes we can lose sight of, and I think that the Christmas story itself, and really basically any of them, I mean, you're going to go into pretty soon, you're going to have Jesus in the going, you know, being driven after he gets baptized. Again, he gets baptized. He goes and shows his body to him and says, please baptize, please pour water on my head. Every time people say, you know, it's all ritualistic, it's all stuff we need to remember Jesus himself, of all people who would not have to do that, of all people who would not, he did it. So if he is the way and he is the truth and he is the life, why would we be so arrogant as to not say, I'm going to go get baptized? Because he did. I'm going to go tell my sins to a priest because he, in John again, the end of John, gives to the apostles the authority to what sins you forgive, they're forgiven, sins you hold, they're held bound. Yep. Why? Because he's pointing us back. We need to take seriously what we celebrate at Christmas, the incarnation, God becoming man. And we need as parents to pick just one or two things to point to it. Use the liturgy. Just teach them. If they know that a pregnancy is 40 weeks, have them count out. It may not be exactly if you pull it, but if you take December 8th, count out 40 weeks, 280 days. Where do you end up? Somewhere around September 8th. You know, if March 25th is not a holy day, it is a special day, (laughs) Annunciation that count forward those that the church is pointing to the the body it matters it's not arbitrary us showing up at mass matters in our bodies when we worship in spirit and truth doesn't mean that we worship separate from that we as parents need to tell our children we have to show up that comes down to we have to show up back it into this the day-to-day. We have to show up when mom needs help with groceries. Show up because that matters. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that doesn't matter 
in the way God has revealed himself. And he revealed himself to be a carpenter's son for some 30 years before he went viral, (laughs) (laughs) to put it in those terms. But anyway, I just think I want to encourage all of you during this time and, and, and as this year goes to remember that the incarnation is central. The fact that God became man in the person of Jesus Christ, that he reveals man to himself as he came to reveal God as Trinity, and that we need to constantly remind ourselves that there's nothing that we do in the body that's not capable of being made holy. There's nothing in the body that's not capable of having meaning, and that there's nothing that we can study in the Bible with regard to what his life, death, and resurrection that can't have some sort of impact on us, can't speak to us in those moments. So anyway, I think that I go ahead and do this one. First um, John 4, 2, which is what I began with. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit which confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And chew on that for a little bit, literally and figuratively. So anyway, so we, we um, hopefully that's helpful. I think we can't remind ourselves enough of that. Every year, God brings us back around through the liturgy to, hey, it's time to look at this again. I mean, he's in charge. We need to see God working us, reminding us that Jesus became man and that that matters to us. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. God bless you all. Remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. God bless you guys. From the cross to the grave into heaven. From the cross to the grave into heaven.